welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here, guys, that we are discussing mental health in this episode, so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm, which may be a trigger for you. As always, I'll pop resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hi guys and welcome back to High Tide, Low Tide and welcome to episode number 11 and today I'm joined by the wonderful Sophie. She's here in my kitchen with me today so welcome Sophie. Thank you. (laughs) And we have a really incredible episode to bring you because Sophie has been through a lot. (laughs) So we have lots of things to talk through that I think you guys are really going to resonate with and I'm very excited that she has Um, given me some of her time on a Sunday to come and record with me. So it's another one of those interesting ones um, about how we know each other. Yep. So um, we only met for the very first time today. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I actually know Sophie's brother, Seb. So shout out to Seb. And he he and I used to work together at uh, the Ramsgate Hotel, which is a pub in Henley Beach. And it's actually had its name dropped in my podcast more times than (laughs) it should have, seriously. But he and I have been friends for some time now. And he saw what I was doing on my socials. And then I was starting to look at opening and doing this podcast and he actually connected Sophie and I through a messenger chat. <laughs> hey, Lisa, this is Sophie. Sophie, this is Lisa. Have fun. Yeah. yeah. Seb leaves the chat. <laughs> so it was just a nice, a really nice little, you know, organic connection where he just saw that both of us were, you know, doing similar things. Yeah. He's very good at connecting people. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Legend. So how about we start off, if you could just tell um, our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, hi, everybody. Um, So I'm a holistic counsellor. I'm relatively new, started my business this year. Somewhat of a generic image, like classic cliche, but also that person who can't watch TV without knitting, Uh, (laughs) you know, whether it's blankets for the homeless, Mainly, dare I say, jumpers for my Jack Russell Fox Terrier. Love um, it. Yeah, we, we can add some photos later. And everyone <laughs> yeah, can definitely. just love that. But really, I love words. I love communication. Mm-hmm. I love psychology and understanding what makes us us, you know, why we as individuals face certain trials that other people might not have and vice versa and how we can turn them into strengths and really make our life the best for us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've got two very, very passionate people on this podcast <laughs> today. We'll see if we can rein in the um, the time frame because yeah. otherwise we might be here all afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> But no, very, very interested to see some photos of your Jack Russell. Uh, What's his name? Like Loki. Loki. Fun fact, named him after the Norse god of mischief and he <laughs> lived up to it. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Was knitting a... Um, a lockdown thing? Or? No. So I, it actually started with 
I guess my health and mental health journey, I think I was like in year five and we just did it as an extracurricular thing. And as a person with like a lot of energy, as you can tell, (laughs) it started just becoming a thing of if I have to sit still, I now don't have to. Like, and I just sit there and I just knit and knit and knit. And um, as you'll find out when I wasn't really able to do much, it was the one thing I could still do and still contribute whilst being in you know, my safe space and feeling ill, it really is like I don't even have to think about it now. If you ask me how to knit, I can't tell you. (laughs) I can just do it. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's quite a cool little skill to have. I'm a grandma and (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love it also. Um, Cool. So today we're going to be talking through quite a few different things. Mm. So you have um, a couple of different diagnoses. Yeah. So um, you have endometriosis. Yep. You're diagnosed also with epilepsy. Yep. Celiac disease. Yep. Bit of PTSD. Yep. <laughs> um, so there's a, a few different things yeah. going on there. So let's sort of, I guess, take it back to, mm-hmm. I guess, quote unquote, the start or mm-hmm. where this kind of journey with those, not just those diagnoses, but the um, mental health side of yeah. things, like where does that start for you? So it definitely started when I hit puberty yeah. with my endometriosis kicking in and my epilepsy. Mm-hmm. However, because they were also intertwined and everything sort of became so complex, they somewhat overshadowed my mental health yeah. as opposed to mental health side effects caused by medication that I was trialled on and these hormones that suddenly just went out of whack and out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd say, well, I'd say I started at 12, but it really didn't come into my awareness um, until 16 at the earliest. Okay. 19 is re- when it really set in and I was like, hold on here, like, this is not right. Yeah. So when you started going through puberty, mm-hmm. so like roughly 12, 12 or so, yeah. what were the symptoms that you were experiencing then? So for me, we'll separate it. So I've yeah. got the endometriosis symptoms and then the epilepsy symptoms. Epilepsy symptoms were have absent seizures and then microseconds. So you may be saying something to me and I'll miss one word. But because the brain is very good at putting pieces of a puzzle together to, you know, create a perceived reality, I would have no idea it happened. I just thought you asked me a weird question. And I was like, oh, okay. So school became really hard because, you know, they'd say, what's two plus two? And I'd hear two plus equals. And I was like, oh, so I'd have to almost go backwards from an answer to work out a question. Yeah. But because it is such like a minute thing and it's unaware, you don't really know unless you're really looking for it. Yeah. And I have no idea either. So I could either come across as a bit ditzy or yeah. even a bit standoffish because I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing for that was I would primarily have um, limb tics. So, like, if I pick up a knife, it can, like, fly across the room because my arm just goes, <laughs> Badoosh, and I just, I just, I flick. So I, I would kick walls. I'd damage my feet. I would damage my feet, I'd, you know, hurt my knuckles or my knees would buckle. Just those, all these little, little things. This is involuntary. Yes, involuntary. Yeah, Yeah. still does it today. So I don't Mm -hmm. drive because imagine if I had a wheel and I just turned into something. Yeah. Um, So that was the epilepsy stuff. Nowhere near as bad as major seizures that a lot of people have, but it is still debilitating in unseen ways. 
Because they're so little. Yeah. Yeah. But but honestly, I've never actually heard of of that either. Well, because you think everyone's like, oh, well, you know, my brain stops working for a second here or there anyway. But it's just, it's something that I've grown used to. Yeah. And it's normal. But at that stage, it wasn't because it never happened before. Yeah. So I suddenly just started becoming quite vacant and a bit weird. And everyone's like, why are you always hurt? Like, what's going on? Uh Like, what's going on? That's so interesting. Yeah, I right? I so much on this podcast, Ooh, I swear. Like, like, it's a wonderful, like, interesting world. Yeah. So that was the epilepsy yeah. side. And then the endometriosis side, uh, mm. I went from very skinny, flat-chested girl to double D boobs in, like, literally overnight. Wow. Like, it was crazy. Went to school after the summer and everyone's like, why are you wearing a bra? Like, if you're in year five or six, like, what is going on? Huge. Primary school. Primary school. Wow. It was huge. Um, and then debilitating cramps. Like, yeah. couldn't get out of bed. The bloating was insane. The weight gain, sudden weight gain, stretch marks absolutely everywhere. I went Ugh. from being a very fit, loving exercise to just no energy. Yeah. Migraines. And the worst part was the moods. Yeah. Such severe moods. Ugh. was an issue and I was very was a very headstrong kid like would just go and do my thing no worries and then suddenly it was all too much yeah but yeah. because of my age they're just like she's hit puberty yeah it would have a lot of it would have kind of just been I guess brushed yeah brushed to the side terrible teens was, yeah, yeah terrible oh, teens hormonal changes but like yeah. yes but <laughs> yeah but this is like full on this is too much hormonal changes yeah. so that for me was when anxiety kicked in mm-hmm. and I didn't even recognise it as anxiety because no. I was so overwhelmed constantly with whatever I, whatever I was feeling. Yeah. You're just going with it. You don't yeah. know any different. Yeah. I was a monster. <laughs> Love my mum. Thanks, mum. I really appreciate it. I say it all the time, but I was a monster at times. Yeah. But, I mean, you were just dealing with the situation the best way you possibly yeah. could as a... 12 year old or you know even even going up until 19 or whatever like it's it that's a lot for a child to be trying to deal with it is it's a child and they're saying now that um endometriosis endometriosis is being detected in eight-year-olds wow that's a child yeah that scares me because how they don't have the learning skills, they don't have the emotional maturity yeah to know how to deal with that yeah absolutely my heart. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, that is a lot of different symptoms to be sort of experiencing at such a young age. Yeah. Did you obviously flagged it with, you know, a, your parent? Yeah. Like yeah. With mom and- so mum was a single parent at the time and she she was very aware of our needs. We grew up yeah. um, in domestic family violence. So she was very on top of, you know, how we're doing. Are we being out of the norm? Are we being yeah. overly stressed? So she was on top of it straight away and she would take me to doctors as needed. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of my age and because of my post-traumatic stress from my childhood, mm-hmm. it was often flagged as this is just post-traumatic stress. Yeah. So this is just what happened. She's struggling to cope. Uh, let's try medication. Let's try and do mm-hmm. some, you know, stress management. She'll yeah. get over it. Like it's puberty. Once it starts evening out, she'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that. Yeah. And that sort of began mm-hmm. 
the roller coaster of the medical system. Yeah. So one of their, I guess, um, Band-Aid fixes was to put you on the pill, right? Yeah. So I don't think I went on that till I was about 14 or 15 when my GP was like, all right, like her periods, you know, they don't seem to be getting better. Let's do this. It seems to be a massive Band-Aid just for teenagers even still to this day. Definitely. And that actually increased the weight gain as well and also increased the moods. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we didn't know was it that or was it at the same time me being trialled on epilepsy medication, which also I had the side effects of depression, Yeah. Um, which ended up going to suicide depending on which pill I was on at the time. Wow. Um, epilepsy pill, I should stipulate. Yeah. So... I would, my system, which is highly sensitive as it is, was being bombarded with all these different chemicals, all these different fake hormones yeah. to try and regulate me. But because I'm seeing different doctors for each, because, you know, they're all their niche, no one really had that holistic perspective of yeah. what's all happening at the same time for her. How do we make it work together and what is working and what isn't working? Yeah. And looking at it from, yeah, like just an overall standpoint yeah. as to, you know, what what's going into her body and what's mm. actually helping and what's not. Yeah, and that was tricky. So the worst part, so I was on the pill. I, th- I think it was, they call it the mini pill or something just because of my age. So I was yeah. on that consistently from, you know, 14 to 19. Yeah. And during those years I was tried on about five or six different epilepsy medication because right. I just had side effects from each one. So it was a very on and off and yeah. on and off and on and off. So there was no balance. There was no baseline. Mm-hmm. It was just a roller coaster. So my body really never had time to properly find itself. Yeah. So we really never knew what is my body actually doing yeah. at any stage. Yeah. And so did the pill help with the endometriosis symptoms? Looking back now, no. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, still had very heavy bleeding, irregular bleeding, even though I think it's like seven days you take it, five, or like for three weeks you take it so you yeah. don't have your period and then the week you do. That didn't make a difference to me. Okay. Um, my body likes to bleed and, and it, yeah. it bled, nothing stopped that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because, like, even if I think about myself and um, I went on the, onto the pill when I was, I think, 14 or 15 mm. and then I was pretty much on it until I was 32. I mean, I was on the, the pill for a, a many years and different mm. ones and then I had the Implanon a couple of times and um, my periods were whatever, like they were neither here nor there. Um, the first time I went on the Implanon, I, I had a period maybe once every three months or something like that. Anyway, long story short, when I came back from Indonesia in 2020, I made the decision to take it out mm. because I didn't need it. I was with the partner who was in Sweden, so I didn't need to worry about being pregnant. And now, it's now been about 18 months or so since I had that removed and I have had a lot of issues with my periods and to the point where I've requested to go and have um, scans and stuff and they can't seem to find anything. But the pain that I get on mm-hmm. that first day of my period is is like I'm crippled with yeah. pain, like I can't stand up straight yeah. type of thing. And 
the doctors, their their suggestion is just to go back on the pill. Yeah. And I'm like, well, isn't that just masking a problem? Yeah. Like, shouldn't we be trying to find the, the root of why I'm having exactly. this much pain? It's not normal. And maybe I should perhaps be seeing a female doctor because, and I'm not saying there's no, like, there are great male doctors, but I'm just like, maybe they don't quite understand mm. because they don't have that pain. Well, I don't know. I will challenge that based on my own experience yeah. in that, my first gynecologist was a male mm-hmm. and he was very good. He was very good mm-hmm. until he wasn't mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then I saw another male in the mix of six yes. gynecological specialists who was also very good and very caring. And I agree, it's hard to understand if you're not going through. But one of the worst specialists I saw was a female and she literally said, we all get period pain. So I challenge that in that sometimes even if they are the same gender as you, they may not understand. Um, And my my belief now based on my experience is if you find someone for you who works for you and works best for you, disregard all of that and stick with it. But in saying that if you're more comfortable with a female doctor, that works for you, then you go for that female doctor. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a very... Very interesting thing, but on what you just shared with your own, like, reproductive Mm -hmm. health, there's research that's coming out that is now saying, you know, it can take roughly six months for every 12 months that you were on contraception or something Mm -hmm. to actually overcome or refine the actual balance of your body. And if you think about how much we've suppressed for so long, same way think of emotions, you bottle it up for so long, Mm -hmm. you take that lid off, it is going to explode. Mm. So it can almost be seen as your body is exploding all these things that we suppressed for so long Yeah. to get that balance back. Yeah. And it's not nice. It's it's debilitating. Yeah. It can be awful. Yeah. And, like, I, I know there's definitely people who have, like, worse pain than mm. what I've been through, but I just think if if I've experienced it, there's going to be so multiple m- other people. So and, many people. You know, and maybe it, I should be seeing a specialist rather mm. than just seeing the GP about it yeah. as well because they, they have to do a lot. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> They're absolutely. They're not the specialists. So. No. <laughs> and I think having talked to some of my friends this year, they're 25 and they're saying, we've never seen a gynecological specialist. I'm like, if you've got a vagina, yeah. you've got reproductive organs, why not? Even just to find out, like, if there's a bait, what's the baseline for you so you know what is healthy for you. Yeah. And then if that changes, at least you've got that avenue or that knowledge of, okay, like, I've got someone I can go see when something goes wrong. Yeah. And I know it's money out of pocket to begin with. And it's not fun. It's not nice. But... It's the only body you've got. Yeah. Might be worth taking care of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, actually a really good suggestion. Yeah. So, you know, that was that's a lot that you were going through at that yeah. time. Like you uh, having these very bad symptoms, you're going to see multiple different doctors mm. and you're on multiple different medications and not they're not some of them aren't working so we're going on another one how were you mentally at that point so big I was angry yeah my teen years I was very angry because I've suddenly become this person where I'm in pain and I'm saying or I'm asking for help and I'm being told no 
you're too hard, you're a teenager, you want attention. No, we're going to trial you on this and do this based on what we think is right for you as adults. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't care you're missing school. We don't care that you're friends at your world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this treatment we know works for people, so we're going to make sure it works for you. And it didn't. Yeah. So I was angry because I'm doing everything I'm told, but I'm still also being told at the same time what I want is redundant. Yeah. What I want for my life, which is my life, is nothing compared to what these other people who don't know me want. It's almost like my worth was being impacted. Yeah. And I became a massive people pleaser. Yeah. Massive to the point where my friends at the time, because we don't know each other now, Mm-hmm. They didn't know anything that was going on. And when they saw me, I was happy and bubbly because I'm wanting to make the most. I don't want to be that burden because what if they then say, you're just being a baby? Like, yeah. stop it. Now, Sophie, teen Sophie is the drama queen. We don't want that in our lives. It's enough drama in teenhood. Like, we don't want more. Yeah. So who I was on a public level was it was all fake mm-hmm. because I was so desperate to be liked. Yeah. And it didn't matter at the time that I wasn't being liked for me. It was a part of me that was being liked. Yeah. So it became quite complicated and I became very lost. Yeah. Very lost. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot for even, you know, an adult to deal with. It's huge for an adult. A, yeah. a teenager, yeah. a child to be, you know, and, you know, we do get very good at putting on that um, happy face. Yeah. Um, and because you don't want how you are feeling inside to quote unquote affect affect those around you, that we get very good at hiding these things, yeah, and ultimately doing ourselves a disservice in doing that. And from hindsight, and also you know, as my studies and learnings as a mental health professional now, mm-hmm. it's a discredit to the people who love us because we're stopping that level of connection yeah we're keeping it super superficial we're not allowing it to go deeper and generally the people who love you or the people who like you it's it's proven time and time again they are willing to do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. and you're denying yourself that support and you're denying them the opportunity to give and feel good as well it's such a double-edged sword yeah but you're doing it because it's a good intention yeah you mean well Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tricky. Yeah, I know. It's so tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so you did have a little reprieve, though, when mm. you were around, I think it was 19. Yep. So 19, after I had a really bad time on the latest epilepsy medication, it got to the point where my mum, because she was my biggest support through all this, yeah. she was like, no, you're coming off it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. At that stage, I was so apathetic to everything. I was like, don't care whatever you say. Yeah. I'll do it. I'm done. Um, came off that epilepsy medication. Happenstance at the same time, I finally got sent to a gynecologist. I was 19. They're like, she's out of school. She's out of these teen years. Like, she knows, like, something's up. Yeah. Got sent to a gynecologist and he's like, all right, let's pop you onto surgery. Let's just give a good look around what's going on. Something's clearly wrong. Yeah. He did a... DNC, which is like a dilution of the cervix just to open it up and forgive my pronunciation, don't know how to say it, probably acute cuterage, cuterage. <laughs> I, I, don't I can't know. help you. That's why it's a DNC. Yeah, okay. Um, 
so he did that. So they scrape like all old blood and tissues yeah. from the cervix, just sort of make it a nicer place to be. Okay. Um, and he just gave a look around. A little and, spring clean. Yeah, a little sp- <laughs> exactly right. A little little touch up. Yeah. Um, and he took me off the pill, put me on a marina. Yeah. Best five years of my life so far. Yeah. The best. So if anyone doesn't know what a marina is? So it is an IUD. It looks like a little anchor that's mm-hmm. upside down and they pop it up in your cervix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically releases the same hormones just at different levels to like, it's a contraception essentially. Yeah. Yep. Contraception yep. period regulator. Mm-hmm. It was amazing for me. My bleeding stopped. Like, completely? Completely. Uh, near completely. Yeah. So I'd get a period maybe same as you, one every three months, and it yeah. was very light, bearable, no period pains, no migraines, um, zest for life. Like suddenly went from like dropped a ton of weight, suddenly went from being lethargic all the time and very emotional to like let's go get life, let's make yeah. up for lost time. My mental health, it was like I was a different person, like anxiety nearly gone, everything was fine. I could take life on didn't think twice about it. I was confident, like I was happy, fell in love, started um, a remedial massage and personal training mm-hmm. business. Like my body was my life. It was amazing. You can hear it. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. It I was can amazing. hear it in your voice. <laughs> um, and that lasted for a while. Mm-hmm. He did actually, my gynecologist did note, he's like, we found a little bit of endometriosis, just a little bit. Okay. And it was just so, not blase the way he said it, but so non-consequential. Mm-hmm. Didn't think twice about it. I was like, okay, cool. I yeah. actually forgot I was diagnosed with it at that stage. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It was so just, he didn't suggest, like, anything further at that point? No, it was just see how you go on the marina, see what changes, yeah. and it went well. So I was like, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Going to go live my life now. Yeah. Um, and that was great. Yeah. So the marina lasts roughly four to five years depending on your own hormonal cycles and, you know, how much your body needs of it. So how do you know when... You just you for just me started bleeding again, right. and like, I think they, yeah. from recollection, I think they're like, "Hey, time's close to up. Let's just do an oil change anyway, yeah. or marina <laughs> change. Um, let's do it anyway to see yeah. where and how you go." So I got a new marina put in. Didn't think twice about it. All good. No worries. Yeah. I think it was about six months. Turned to shit. Oh, yeah. Um, that that's when adult Sophie. Yeah. That's when everything was like, what the hell? Um, period pain came back with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. Heavy periods started coming back, three-day migraines to the point where I'm in bed, vomiting, debilitating, can't hear any noise, can't can't do anything. Yeah. Anxiety? Anxiety, yes, anxiety, thank you. Yeah. And then the new symptoms where I started getting this weird pain in my left lower abdominal, very sharp pain. Yeah would take my breath away, knees would buckle, so massage started becoming an issue, couldn't personal Uh. train. And the new one that came with the anxiety was like severe depression in the three to four days leading up to my period and roughly the first day. And I don't mean depression as well as life, you know, this is too hard, I can't do this, you know, it's not worth it. This was such a severe sadness yeah it was like a canyon of sadness that never ended and I could see my partner and I could see friends and I was there was a part of me still happy but Mm -hmm. it was also incredibly bittersweet it was like this is beautiful but it's pointless 
Ugh. This is a beautiful moment. I love these people. Yeah. And the world's going to end anyway and all of this is meaningless. And it was, I will never forget that feeling and I can't explain it better than that. Yeah. But it was all encompassing and I could still function in the way our society wants us to function. I make that a very strong point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but High-functioning depression. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also, it was all-encompassing and I, it's still hard to pinpoint, mm-hmm. but it was, like, so intense that I could not tell that this was not normal. Yeah. It was just so overwhelming that I never put it together, even though I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, your period's coming. Yeah. Every time it happened, it wasn't, okay, it's part of your period. It was, this is forever. Right. This is it now. There's no way out of it. This is forever. And it happened every month. Yeah. Every month it happened. And then after those, say, like three or four days, how, like, would it just sort of like start easing up and you'd get back to a baseline? It was almost like as I bled, I was yeah. purging, wow. which is ironic because that's literally what a period is, yeah. right? But that was it. It was almost like as I continued to bleed, the weight was lifted. Yeah. The problem was then as time went on, I didn't stop bleeding. It right. Be- it was just I started would get a period yeah, and then it wouldn't end. And I kept bleeding and I kept bleeding to the point where I was anemic. Wow. There was no cycle because it was a continuous, it was just continuous. Wow. The anxiety was severe because I'm changing my pads, my tampons, yeah. whatever, hours. Couldn't get a full night's sleep because I would bleed. Oh my if I'd God. leave the house for five minutes, I had to get a new pad, get a new tampon. I'm still relearning that I can literally leave the house if I want to and not have to be like going to the toilet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys, been gone for five. Yeah. Like it was just it was exhausting. It was, it was utterly con- exhausting. Such control it took over your life. Exactly. And like. that was one that was one symptom. Yeah. As the pain started getting worse. Um so this was when I was roughly 24, got that mm-hmm. marina change. I think was leading up to my 25th birthday, the pain started getting unbearable. I could feel every time I moved my left leg, it was like my insides were rubbing against something. Oh, my God. Turns out after going to the doctor, like going back to the gynecologist, they're like, let's do a scan. I had a chocolate cyst on my ovary, which is a cyst filled with blood. And right. it's from my understanding, in my case, it's period blood. So okay. it, it gets trapped in the ovary. It grows in the wrong place. Um, it's got nowhere to go. Yeah. Uh, and that was on that left side left where you said side, you were having yeah. that pain. Where I was having that pain at that stage, mm-hmm. I had no idea where my ovaries were. I have ovaries, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. know where. Like, you don't go, oh, that's ovary pain, like right yeah. area. <laughs> I had no idea. I was just like, something is wrong. Like, what? what's yeah. going on? Found out it was that. It got so bad, couldn't eat, dropped weight, um, mm. couldn't work you know, was a ball of pain, was a ball crying because I couldn't live. Yeah. And I love, love work. I'm a workaholic. I love, you know, being out and about and I couldn't do any of that and I didn't understand why. Yeah. And you said as well that, you know, it was very difficult. You couldn't make plans to see anyone. No. No. And that got worse over time Mm -hmm. because I would get spasm pains um, because... Cysts can burst as well. Sometimes they reabsorb in the body. Okay. Blood cysts, I think, 
generally will burst because mm-hmm. they can't really go back in. Yeah. When they burst, like vomiting, you've got risk of blood poisoning. Oh. Generally, you will need like antibiotics for it. You, generally, you are in so much pain, you will probably go to the ER or go to a doctor. Okay. I think that first one was close to bursting and I actually went in, mm-hmm. saw the gynecologist and I was in surgery within two hours. Wow. It was just straight away. You haven't eaten anything. You can't eat anything. This cyst is big enough. I think it was like five by eight centimetres. It's big, right? Yeah. For a small part of your body, yeah. it's actually really big. I think I had to drain it, took it out. Yeah. Had to remove part of my ovary. Yeah. I think he found it endometriosis and that was the start of everything. Yeah. So this kind of, this has all taken us down the path to what you had described as probably being the lowest yes. point yep. for you in yep. this journey. Do you want to talk to us yep. a little bit about that? So this was the first surgery of, bear with me whilst I think, mm-hmm. one, two, three, five in five years. Wow. Yeah, the last two were in a single year. Yeah. And that's big. You, do, you generally don't want to do that. That will cause scar tissue, um, you know, extra complications. It's a huge toll on your body. Yeah. So I had five surgeries in five years for endometriosis and cysts alone. Mm-hmm. That was the first. Basically, once they do it, they're like, endo's gone, you're on your way. See ya. Come <laughs> back if there's any problems or go see your GP. It's generally yeah. go see your GP. I think it was three months again. Like, high on life. It's all good. Yeah. I feel amazing. Three months ends, everything starts creeping back. Exact same pain. So Ugh. at that stage, I'm like, ovary, 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 yeah. ovary. Like, what's going on? Let's go back. Because, you know, surgery is a gold standard for endometriosis, but there is no cure. Yeah. So, and it, and especially when you're a young woman in your 20s who, you know, women are gen, generally mm-hmm. having kids around the 30 age mark, they don't, they don't want to touch me. Like, it's too risky. Yeah. So I go back to the specialist. He's like, don't really want to. Does the surgery again after I really pressured and a couple treatments that don't work. So what was this surgery to go in and see if there was anything More cysts again. Yeah. There were. There was a growth as well. So he had to remove them. On the left? On the left. Again. It was always the left. Pain was always the left. Yeah. So we did that. And he was like, yep, you were actually right. There was Mm -hmm. stuff on your ovary it needed to come out. Can I just ask, are yeah. you financially burdened by this as or well? Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. I currently, at the end of all of this, and I am starting to make money again, am $45,000 in debt to my mum, luckily. Wow. Thank you, mum, again. Legend. <laughs> no, I need to um, meet your mum. Oh, she's an <laughs> amazing human being. That is not including all my lost income. Yeah. Of not being able to work. That is not including my medical bills, which even on private health, yeah. tens of thousands of dollars. It's hu- it's huge. Sorry, huge. that just came to me, but I just really wanted to. Uh, no. I wanted people listening to understand that it wasn't like this whole thing. Is, it's not just the physical. No. It's not just the mental. There's other things like this that. There, it's, I, I call it the societal yeah. losses. Yeah. Because I financially, like, that's huge. And I've got a hex debt on top. Luckily, I don't have a mortgage, but mm-hmm. it's going to take me years to even mm. be able to get a mortgage mm. now because I have so much yeah. um, debt, which, again, luckily, my mum's like, you don't have to pay me back, but I want to. Yes. Like, yeah. I want to. Like, yeah. I'm independent. Like, give me my freedom. Please. Yeah. I love you. Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> love you, mum. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's huge. And it's it wasn't that as well. So basically... Had to jump, very long story short, mm-hmm. had to jump specialist to specialist because once they do one surgery 
And then it comes down to, well, with each surgery, there's risk of complications Mm. to your fertility. Mm -hmm. We've done what you've asked. You've done, you know, a bunch of treatments. They didn't work. This is a bit tricky. It's a bit uncomfortable. Go find someone else. Is that literally like what they, they say? Go say. to your GP. You try and book him with your GP. You book him with your GP. Try and get back into that specialist, and they can't see you anymore. Oh. And I don't. As a repeat patient, I should be able to. Yes. Should, but I wasn't. Yeah. Um, so and- you would you would read between the lines and assume that they are making a choice. Yes. That they don't want to yes. see you again. And sometimes. I didn't even have to read between the lines. There was one specialist who I said, you know, if this keeps happening, if my ovary keeps growing, I only had one-tenth of an ovary left, which was half the size of your pinky now. It is tiny. The eggs growing on it are bigger than the ovary itself. Um, Literally said, if this keeps happening, can we please take my left ovary out? Please, like, I will get my life back or, you know, supposedly get my life back. It's the biggest chance for me to get my life back. No. Why? We don't do that. That was it. Wow. And I was like, well, if you're not going to do that, I've got no chance. I'm yeah. going to go see someone else. Yeah. So you had um, gone in and had that, um, the doctor had done the surgery yes. the second time. Yes, second time. Um, the third surgery was just endometriosis they found. Okay. So that was internal organs. I think it was like wrong you meant to bleed from your uterus. I think I had some on my lower intestine. I think I had some, like, in okay. all the organs surrounding it, and that's what will cause the pain. Had some growing on my ovary again. Right. So that ovary just it was almost like it was a habit. It just instinctively started doing. Yeah. So obviously this all, you know, like, was this in 2020? So 2020, and I did, I digress to everything else. Yeah, my okay. apologies. No, no, it's okay. Um, so 2020... I, instead of going private, which wasn't working for private health, I was like, someone pointed me to the public system. They said, I know someone who managed to get her tubes tied. Okay. She had to fight because it was, you know, if you get your tubes tied, you're not fertile. She said, didn't care, don't want kids. So I was like, all right, this path has worked for her. I'm going down this path. Let's go public. So how did you find this person though? Like connections. So okay, our friend was through. like, hey, I found someone on social media. Yeah. She's like an advocate for this. Yeah. Um, do you want to connect? And I was like, fuck yeah. Okay. Fuck and yes. so for her, she made the decision to mm-hmm. have a hysterectomy? No. She wanted a hysterectomy. Okay. They would only tie her tubes. Okay. What's the difference? Hysterectomy, you will have, you've got two options. Yeah. Hysterectomy, you will have your uterus moved, therefore... Your hormones are still working. You won't go through menopause. You just okay. won't bleed and you won't have your periods. Right. You still won't be able to have a child because you don't have your uterus. Yes. Full hysterectomy. They take your uterus and your ovaries out. Okay. So then your body is not creating the amount of hormones you need. Mm-hmm. You can go into menopause without hormonal treatment. Mm-hmm. And that can potentially cause health risks down the track of heart disease, Um yeah. Potential dementia, there's still a lot of research that okay. needs to be done into it, bone density loss. Mm-hmm. So there's still considerations that need to be taken. Yeah. So Co- when you say tubes tied. Tubes tied. What's that referring to? Fallopian tubes. Yeah, no, but like is that oh, um, so, different again? So fallopian the tubes means the sperm can't get to the eggs. They can't then, conception can't happen. Yeah. So tubes tied, I don't 
I'm going to assume, I actually don't know everybody, <laughs> I'm going to assume they literally tie the tube somehow or yeah. they seal them off Yeah. so there's no gateway for yeah. sperm to get to the eggs. So she wanted to have a hysterectomy. hysterectomy. They said no because, you know, it will affect your health and it's... They just don't want to do it. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. There is a lot of research that we can do a whole set of <laughs> podcasts or like come yes. talk to me and I can tell you about it. There are societal system reasons why they don't like doing hysterectomies on females. Yeah. Especially under 34. Yeah. Yeah. So she wanted to have it done but she couldn't have it done. No. So she compromised and got her tubes tied. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I was like, good enough if they're willing to do that maybe they will be willing yeah. to take my ovary out. So that's how you became exposed to potentially yes. sort of yeah, taking yes. that path. Yeah. So what was next for you then? So because it's a public system, there is a bit of a wait time. Yeah. had to wait to get in to see a gynecologist. How they long? were lovely. So that was three months. Yeah. And I was high tier. I was the tier underneath cancer patients. Okay. Yeah. Um, generally, the lower they see your issue, the longer you have to wait. Yeah. So I was in that regard, um, you know, they were like, yes, this is bad enough. We, we acknowledge this. We recognise this. So mm-hmm. that was lucky. Went in, saw the gynaecologist. They were wonderful and they were like, why are you willing to do this? You know, have you had mental health care about this? Have you seen anyone? Um, we had an honest discussion. I was like, look, my anxiety stems from the fact that I'm in pain. Otherwise, I thrive. I am yeah. mentally, you know, comfortable, happy, resound, resilient, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. for positive mental health. And he he was really lovely and he was like, okay, we're going to put you in that second tier because you don't have cancer, but we, 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 yeah. let's do this. Like, I am willing to do this. Let's do this. I think I had to wait three months. Three mm-hmm. months again, very lucky given it was COVID times. Mm-hmm. Had to do a special diet for five days, which was like white bread and cheese and it was really mm-hmm. strange, but it's so you don't have um, excess poo in your system essentially. Okay. Cleans you out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that wasn't nice because I'm a very much so like fibrous, like yeah. whole food sort of person. So I was like, whoa, it's me. <laughs> um, didn't eat or drink. I think it's generally I was about didn't eat 16 hours before surgery, Mm -hmm. didn't drink 12 hours before, went in at 7 a.m. And this is where I, this was the beginning of the dark times, let's say, the real dark times. Went in because it was COVID, wasn't allowed to have anyone with me. So I'm in a waiting room by myself, like, and it's scary. It's scary. If you've never been into surgery, it's really scary. Yeah. You're out of your comfort zone. It's clinical. You've got all these people saying, what's your name? Mm-hmm. What's your date of birth? Like, let's, you know, check your vitals. Like, you you, you feel like an animal. Like, mm-hmm. you're an animal at a vet being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So I'm prepping for that. I've mm-hmm. done it before. I'm a seasoned patient. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's nerve-wracking. And an hour of waiting happens, second hour, third hour, fourth hour, Mm. people are dropping by every now and then be like you're really patient like not long now mm. have a nurse come in in five hours and be like all right what's your name what's mm. your birthday <laughs> rah rah wait a little bit longer the anaesthetist comes in mm-hmm. and that's when you know like things are happening yeah. now like they're prepping you you're good to go and I was like yes I'm so hungry like it's not even the surgery now it's like I can eat soon like let's do yeah. this she comes in she's lovely she's like yep not long now another hour goes by and I was like, what the hell? 
surgeon comes in and I was like, oh, my God, okay, mm. cool. And she was lovely. And she comes in and she says, we're not doing your surgery today. And I was like, oh, why? Absolute shock. As you can tell, yeah, I'm a talker. Heart. Yeah. Just with the sun. Yeah, I'm a talker. And I was like, what? Like, this was my hope. This was this was my time. Yeah. Okay, well, why? Oh, um, we've lost your paperwork. Well, your paperwork wasn't sent. I was like, it's a hospital. It's the same hospital. My house wasn't sent. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, like, okay, no worries. I guess, you know, what happens now? She's like, didn't really care. She was just basically like, okay, like, we'll, we'll rebook you in. I'm really sorry. Like, she showed care and empathy. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, if we take your ovary, you know, it risks your fertility. And that's when it was like a blow to my chest because I'd had this discussion nonstop with so many doctors yeah. about my beliefs around fertility, why I'm willing to lose an ovary. doesn't mean I've completely lost fertility at that stage either. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of it. You know, why? And she is very politely asking me these questions and there I am, dehydrated, incredibly stressed, in shock, depleted of nutrition and I have to validate my beliefs and values for something that's not even happening that day anyway. Yeah. And she was basically very politely disagreeing, saying, you know, if you don't want kids, you might change your mind. Mm. And she's politely trying to talk me out of it when I am... Mm. At your most vulnerable. At my most vulnerable, definitely not on an even level. Yeah. And she asked, you know, how's your mental health? Like, have you been verified that you can make this decision? And I'm thinking, bless you, but should you be asking me that when I am at my most vulnerable, when I clearly have if this has been agreed, Mm. and you should be aware that mentally right now I'm probably not very good. Yeah. And so we had this discussion and I was very polite because I was very people-pleasing and I was like, must appease, like the only way way I can get through is to appease. Yeah. She goes out. I'm waiting 20 minutes, no clothes, like no phone. I'm like, do I do I call someone? What, what, what am I doing? Yeah. Like I'm sitting there in shock. Nurse finally comes in with my clothes. It was a bit of like a debacle trying to find everything. Second blow or third blow, they give me a sandwich. I'm a celiac. Ugh. Had they had my notes, they would know I could not eat that sandwich. And I was like, ding, don't care. They don't mm. care. Yeah, I'm just a number. Yeah. She's like, oh, you can call your mum again. She was lovely. They yeah. they were doing everything they could, but they didn't have the information they should have had and needed to yeah. validate they care. Yeah. Call mum. Luckily mum was there. For all they knew, like, I was supposed to be in hospital overnight. I might not have had anyone coming. Mm. They didn't know my mental health. It could have been terrible. Mm-hmm. They didn't say, hey, do you need to talk to someone? This is a big deal. They said, you know, you got someone, cool, call them. Didn't check who I called didn't see me actually leave with anyone. They just said, when you're dressed, you can go. And luckily I had somewhere to go. Yes. Still really hadn't eaten anything. I think I picked like a bit of the food out of the sandwich. So they didn't get you anything else? No. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Kind of waltzed out. And thankfully mum was there. Mum was like ready, gearing up to see me after surgery. And she was yeah. like, what the She's like, I'm yeah. going in there. And I was like, don't, we, we, we just got to get out of here. They don't care. They yeah. don't care. Um, you know, luckily I didn't walk in front of a car. Lucky I didn't just decide to go drink my problems away. Yeah. They had no idea. That's right. 
So mum went to give me a hug and at that stage I was like, no, I can, you cannot touch me. I will break down. You cannot just, and I know I hurt her and I still feel bad about it, but it was like, I can't break down in front of these people. Yeah. What's going to happen? They're going to say, okay, they're going to make a note and be like, oh, she's very emotional. <sighs> so we got in the car and we got home. Then I broke down and I broke down hard and what, 15 years of being like, know what you want doesn't matter. We're doing it our way of conceding to doing it their way as a compromise. Of that day being like, this was my day to suddenly, no, it's not. You don't mm. know when it's coming. You don't know how far away it's going to come now. And that nobody cared. And the people who, the people who didn't care were the only people who could actually fix this problem. Mm. Everyone else could do no, like everything they could. Mm. It's not going to fix the problem. And I was like, I'm worthless. Like, the people who love me are now falling down into this financial, social, emotional sinkhole with me. I love them. I want them to thrive and I don't want to be this person who takes them down. Yeah. I don't want that. That's not me. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to kill myself. This, not because I want to. I've never wanted to die. There's far too much wonderful things in this world I need to experience. But it makes sense. To kill myself makes sense. Yeah. Because there's no other option. And I totally understand why people do it. Yeah. And I'm so sorry you feel that way. Yeah. But I'm here. Yeah. And there's a reason I am here. Yeah. And it's because something kicked in my brain and that part of me that wants to live and that connection that I may be broke, I may have no job, I may have lost my complete social identity. But my connection is I damn well love the people who love me and they love mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And that was my saving grace and that was that thing in my head that said no freaking way because yeah. there is no way you go through your trials and tribulations to end in tragedy. Yeah. No. Like you can't. Yeah. I come from a very long line of proud and resilient people whether yes. we want to or not and I was like, no, you, you don't get to do that. I don't care what you want, Sophie. Yeah. Just like everyone else right now, I don't <laughs> care what you want. To do that to the people you love, mm. you've just created it for them. And I yeah. was like, I can't do that. Yeah. So bless my mum again. Yes. Called her wailing, just yeah. wailing and saying these things. And to her credit, she's like, I'm coming over. And I was like, no. I was actually like, again, I was like, no, I need my space. I can't deal with anyone else's energy. Mm -hmm. I need this alone, but please be on the phone. Yeah. She was going home in Mount Barker. She was on the freeway. She pulls over on the freeway and she stays on the phone with me for I don't know how long. I was. She, she was like, yes, whatever you need and you want, yeah. yes. And that was it. That was my worth. Yeah. That was as hard as it was for her because I can only imagine mm. how hard that would be. She was like, this is what you want. This yeah. is what we do. Yeah. And she listened to all the horrible things I was saying about myself and my worth mm. and everything. And she's saying very appropriately, she's saying no. She's saying like, hold on, like you're, you, you highly love rationality. Let's mm -hmm. like pause, let's think mm -hmm. about it. Like you're overwhelmed, breathe, let's just sit here, let's do it. And that went on for however long it was until I was literally too tired to do it anymore. Yeah. And then we developed steps and she's like, okay, so here's what we do. She's like, you're tired, you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Please, Sophie. Like, put your independence down. This mm -hmm. is, as you said, it's more than just you. Give the load to someone else. 
She's like, we start from scratch. She's like, let me find the people, let me do it, put it down and breathe. Mm -hmm. Like, get through tomorrow. We're going to get through tomorrow. We're going to get through the next day. If that's too much, you're going to get through the hour. Mm -hmm. If that's too much, you're going to get through the minute. If that's too much, breathe. Yeah. Like, give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. Yeah. That is why I'm here. Yeah. Because that led to us finding someone completely out of our network. Yeah. Who said, I think I know a doctor. Okay. So we went to the doctor, different doctor, and it was an integrative doctor, which is what normally wouldn't have done. I was like, you have to go do a GP, like do a GP. Oh. She sent me to the specialist who I still had to fight, had my two mm. surgeries with, who was like, no, let's go back to square one and do all the treatments that don't work. Mm. But who in the end conceded and was like right if this is what you want Mm -hmm. you've seen the psychologist at this stage Mm -hmm. you've seen the psychiatrist they verify that you can actually make a decision in your life yeah all right we'll do it i don't want to but we will do it we did and so that was the full hysterectomy full hysterectomy i don't regret it yeah i acknowledge i am very lucky that i don't want children because yep. if I did, that would be a very hard decision and it would, again, be a very different story. Yes. But for me, it worked. And it yep. worked in a way I never thought it would work. It mm-hmm. wasn't something I was able to comprehend in my darkest time because it just wasn't in my awareness. Yeah. I just think, like, you know, we've just listened to everything that you went through in the what, the 15 years or mm. however long like it was. Like five years of that period. Well, yeah, yeah, that really four, bad five years, part. yeah. Like, and how bad the symptoms of the endometriosis and the you know, how that had led you to feel so worthless mm. that it, you cons- had the thought of, okay, it, yeah. I don't want to be here anymore, yeah. to think that by having making the decision to have the full hysterectomy mm. was able to essentially give you your life yeah. back. Yeah. Like I just think how could anyone not want to help Yeah. in that way? The thing is, and it's because I had so much time to research because I couldn't work, I yeah. and I love knowledge. I was like I'm going to arm myself with knowledge. Yeah. And that's what helped me because – we don't know so much about mm-hmm. endometriosis. We don't know a lot about endometriosis. Like if surgery is the gold standard, mm-hmm. that's not that good because the surgery for a lot of people will only last a year. Yeah. That's not – it's gold standard, but that's not a very good gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a world record. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and so I can see it from the doctor's perspective of just we don't know. Yeah. And therefore if we – don't have enough experience at knowing that something is clear cut and we're risking a big part of what, you know, majority of people go through life having children, mm-hmm. that's a massive risk. Yeah. It's a massive risk because they didn't know if a full hysterectomy would work. I'm technically not okay. cured. Okay. So I could still have endometriosis. Yeah. It's just we don't know now because mm-hmm. I don't get my periods. Oh. So because I'm not bleeding and the yeah. endometriosis is the tissue that bleeds with period. Right. Get rid of the bleeding. Yeah. You don't get the symptoms. I see. Yeah. So please know full hysterectomy may not cure you. Yes. But it can help. And that's the thing is it might not have helped. Okay. But it did 
For yeah. me, it did. And that's the risk and that's why they don't want to do it. Okay. It's tricky. Yeah. It's like life. It's tricky. Yes. The issue for me was I was being denied the opportunity. Yes. Do you think that that day that you went in for surgery, do you think that they actually lost the paperwork or do you think that perhaps they, that surgeon or whoever it was, decided that they actually didn't want to, to do the surgery? Exactly that. I think yeah. they didn't want to. Yeah. Because that can be a lawsuit to lose paperwork. That right. can be a lawsuit. How you need to keep medical files for seven years. Yeah. You should be able to transfer that, and especially someone shouldn't be going under the knife or even be prepped to go under the knife if mm. you have not in advance seen that paperwork. Mm. So I think because I saw a particular gynecologist who said yes, but then my surgeon, because mm. it's a public system and you can't choose, was then like, well, technically I'm liable for this. Right. I don't want to do it. Or she may have had the belief that, you know, she she doesn't want to take that away from another woman. Right. I do believe it was an excuse. Okay. Yeah. In saying that, again, the power of hindsight, had I gotten that left ovary removed but my symptoms continued, mm. I would have needed another surgery anyway and going through the public system, I would have had to wait far longer mm. than going through the private. So right. it could have also been a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never know, though. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's just I can just, you know, I, I can just really empathise with how you must have felt on that day, you know, thinking, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to have um, this surgery and then things might get better yeah. and having this hope and yeah. you're there, the day has come, you've yeah. not eaten, you've not drunk, you're sat there in the gown and yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting and then someone comes in and says it's not going to happen yeah. today, sorry, here's a sandwich, see you later. It's the hope is dashed, the dreams are dashed yeah. and it's the powerlessness. Yeah. And that is the thing is when we feel we do not have autonomy of our bodies mm. or ourselves or our mm. lives, we think this is final. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it does. It's overwhelming. It feels final. How do you get your power back out of something outside of yourself? Yeah. It's possible, though. Just yeah. FYI, yeah. everybody, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously um, you had the surgery and the symptoms stopped. Yes. How, how did you go with the mental health side of things? So mental health, I had, I had a lot of distrust in my healing. So I had yeah. my final surgery, well, final, most recent surgery, fingers crossed everything, yeah. end of September last year. After the four years of being, it's dismissed and medi yeah. medically gaslit of, you know, you can make a decision. Mm. You know, your sound of mind um, you know, you're able to go and do things. I still had a massive distrust of this is going to hold. My health is now going to stay well. Yeah. I can leave the house when I want. I can actually make plans and stick to them and not have to cancel last minute. Yeah. Oh, what is it? We're almost like a year on. I'm still actually coming to terms with that. So yeah. I still, it's like I still have anxiety and it's shifted yeah. to I can do things. It's suddenly like I actually have my power back and I'm relearning and refining who I am mm. with health and actually having self-power of actually getting to make choices and following through and no one's questioning me. Like it's very weird. I'll make mm. a decision and I'll be like, sorry, 
Sorry, yeah. I actually, like, we're doing what I want. Oh, my gosh, like, this is not right. I'm still, yeah. the mental health aspect has actually been the hardest for me. Yeah. Because that's where our beliefs are. That's yes. all the things we've held, all the things that have reaffirmed these beliefs. Mm-hmm. We can now say, we can throw these out the window. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly hard. Yeah. And it's been the hardest part for me. So there is still that anxiety mm-hmm. and that learning to adapt to change and that I'm safe, that yeah. I'm actually safe to make these changes Yeah, and something bad won't come from it, mm-hmm. even though at some stage something will because that is life. Yeah. Something will trip me up and I, you know, will be frazzled. Something like that recently happened actually. Um, I bought a new laptop and it locked me out like immediately. <laughs> and normally I would have been crying. Yeah. Instead... I think I yelled fuck a couple times and like stomped around the house and cried for about 10 seconds. And then I was like, all right, we'll survive. Yeah. Not happy, but I'll survive. Self-growth. Yeah, right, right. And it was amazing because my partner comes home and he's used to finding me like destroyed Mm. and just holding me and being like, can't really help. He comes home and he's all tentative and he's like, how was your day? (laughs) Are you okay? And I was like, no. (laughs) But yes, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a small meltdown without uh, moved on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another part of it, even though it is my mental health. Mm-hmm. It's how the people around you learn to react around yeah. you as well. It's like, do yeah. we have to tiptoe around her? Can we charge at her full force now? Yeah. Like, my partner's very playful and he poked me in the stomach the other day and he's like, I can do that. <laughs> and I was like, good for you. Please don't. <laughs> but it's that thing of... People can now interact with me more and I have the energy to be open to it. Before I was a brick wall, I was like, don't touch me, don't come near me, I can't deal with your problems, I can't can't be who I want for you Mm -hmm. and that's only going to make me shut down more. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, hello, everybody, come to me, come to me, life is wonderful. It's hard but wonderful. Yeah. And I'm still getting used to people being able to do that and I'm getting used to again being able to actually traverse the highs and lows that come with interacting with other people yeah so it's a journey and there is going to be more yeah but it's good good yeah so what other things do you do um to take care of your mental health so things that have worked for me and I've learned this over the long years this is not something that will just come to you it will Mm. not be easy learning to be still and meditate Mm-hmm. So for me, meditation is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's taking note of parts of my body. How are things feeling? If something's uncomfortable, let's be with it and make space with it. But we can have that slight detachment. So it's almost like distance yourself from it. If I am in pain, I can observe the pain. Mm. So it's that awareness and it you know, it can take guidance. It mm-hmm. can take time, but it is possible for everyone to be able to look at myself without judgment. Mm-hmm. One of the best things for me, because I had so much judgment in my life, and a lot of people do, is I've allowed myself to play. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is to do something, whether it's creative, whether it's, you know, messing around, kicking a ball, playing with friends, to do something without a purpose and no desired outcome, to just yeah. allow it to come and be what it is and, you know, be a child. Mm-hmm. And that fixes me. Mm. I shouldn't use that term, (laughs) but I did. Uh, That will help reset me Mm -hmm. very quickly. Okay. Because I allow that weight to go. Yeah. And to be able to just see see what comes up without fear of consequence. Mm -hmm. 
it's really refreshing. Yeah. If anyone, you know, struggles with feeling like they need to control whatever they can, I challenge you. Mm-hmm. Go get a piece of paper, shut your eyes and just scribble and then see what comes of it. Mm-hmm. Like looking at clouds. Yeah. It can be really freeing. Yeah. Okay. So they're the two big things for me, yoga, moving my body, appreciating the things I couldn't appreciate before. Mm-hmm. And self-care, dare I say as well, mm-hmm. is making myself do things that I am uncomfortable with mm. but know that that's the only negative outcome, so to speak, and it's not actually negative. Yeah. It's yeah. challenging myself to adapt and experience things that I'm afraid of. Okay. Like this. This is terrifying yeah. to me. <laughs> and I'm sure as everyone's heard, they're like, she's her voice is not shaking anymore. She's having a conversation. <laughs> it's that this was really scary. Yeah. But as we're going along and doing it, I'm not thinking twice about it yeah. anymore. And it's yeah. lovely and I feel safe with you having listened to your podcast. I'm like, I am mm-hmm. safe in Lisa's yeah. hands. She is lovely. She is open. <laughs> Don't even have to know her and yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Challenge yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, I second that. Doing things that scare you a little bit. I yeah. think, you know, greatness is on, on the other side of discomfort. So You're not going to get anywhere different if you don't do anything different. Expand. Oh, yes. That is its expansion. Yeah. And I say to people who are in the position I was in, if you have no energy, if things are hard, that one person you are comfortable with, expand through them. Yeah. Actually, all you have to say, and as as comfortable as it is, can you please do this for me? Whether it's go talk to someone, yeah, you know, find someone who can help me with this. Whether if you don't have that person, call someone on Lifeline. That mm-hmm. one connection, that one, that's expansion, mm. and it's little energy on your part. You can give it to someone else, and you can receive from it, mm-hmm. and that is where change will happen. Mm. Any others that you wanted to add? I'd just like to double check. Because yeah, no, have, there's a lot, have... a lot of them. So to be mindful of each moment when something is hard, go do something yeah. else if you can. Yeah. If Are some... you seeing a psychologist or anything like no, that? No, but because I'm a mental health practitioner, oh, yes. I have peer support for yeah. one. I have yeah. professional supervision as well where I can go see someone and say, hey, like this has happened. Like how do I navigate this? How can yeah. I incorporate it into my work? So it has become... A very common part of my life, more so than I guess you would say for someone not in the field. Yeah. But if I was not in this field, I would be seeing someone regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Because that person is on your side. Yeah. You can be in bed, you know, do a telehealth, be in bed, be in your pajamas and say, mm-hmm. I'm having a bad day, and that person will be there for you and say, mm-hmm. Tell me about it. You want to vent? Let's vent. You don't want to vent, you want to feel good. What's your favourite movie? Tell yeah. me something nice in your life. How can we bring more of that to your life? Yeah, yeah. A hundred, like, you can do it. It's, you know, um, just make a call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. There's plenty of people out there. Yeah. So if there is there's someone out there who's listening and maybe they're going through something similar to you, mm. what is your, like, top tip for them what do you wish that maybe you had known or you know what is what's your best encouragement for them so this will change with how I feel right now yeah regardless of everyone else your life your life is ultimately about you if you know something makes you feel good and it doesn't hurt you Mm -hmm. and it doesn't actively cause harm to someone else do it yeah you know, you instinctively know what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. If putting some cream where, like on your stomach, 
works to help period pain, Mm -hmm. why not do it? Even if a doctor says it's not going to work. Placebo effect has been proven to work time and time again. If it makes you feel good and it's safe, why not? Who cares what anyone else thinks? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of dumb opinions out there. I have some as well. (laughs) Just do it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think that can be applied to a lot, like, you know, oh, not just, you know, endometriosis, like yeah. anything, yeah. mental health, any any aspect Absolutely. like that. I'm with that. You know you. Yeah. Trust it. Yeah. And then I think, lastly, I just, I like, I love to ask this question and it's the last question that I always ask. Um, but, you know, now looking back with hindsight, how do you feel about everything that you've been through and about that path that you've had to navigate? The further I get away, and some people are going to roll their eyes and hate me for saying this, the more grateful I am for it. Because, yes, it was hell, but in hindsight, we know I survived. Yeah. I am a far more, and I say this confidently, a far, far more compassionate and empathetic person and understanding and Mm open-minded person than if I did not have to go through that. Mm -hmm. And I mean that not only to other people going through it, but to myself. Yeah. I can actually look back and say, holy shit, you went through hell Mm -hmm. and you are here and on the days where things aren't coming together, Mm. look what you can do. You can do this. It's going to suck. And, yes, it sucks and that's okay Mm -hmm. because you can survive suck. Yeah. It made me a better person. Yeah. And that's good for me and everyone else. Yeah. I just think... You know, I always say to people, like, I wish you didn't have to have gone through mm. what you went through, but I'm a, such a firm believer in, you know, everything that you go through makes you the person that yeah. you are now. And, you know, if you hadn't been through all of that, there's a very high chance I wouldn't be standing here talking to you right now and I wouldn't have made that connection with you. Agreed. So, you know, I'm grateful. Again, I wish you had <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, I just think all of our experiences really do add to us as a mm. person. So, you know, um, and I hope and I, I, I know that there will be people who are going to listen to this and they're going to, you know, be inspired to, you know, maybe go back to the doctor and say, no, like this pain isn't okay. I want another step or yeah. I want another opinion or I want more because, you know, as I said, GPs especially, they are doing the best with what they have and they yep. are so overrun. Yep. Our whole healthcare system is yes. overrun. Yep. But no one is going to advocate for us as hard as we yep. should. Yeah. You know, or we. no one knows what's happening in our own bodies like we yep. do. So, you know, just, yeah, yeah someone's out there, um, go, go back and ask for more. <laughs> agreed. And do you know what? If you are a people pleaser and it's hard, I will add to this. Mm-hmm. When things started, you know, going haywire for me, I would go into a session alone and I would come out and be like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. And like your previous guests have said, take someone with you, yeah. support, take someone with you who when you are fatigued, when you are in shock, can go in and advocate for you, mm-hmm. especially if it's someone who's known your life and they say, hey, she is not acting like her normal self mm-hmm. or he is not acting, they, whoever mm-hmm. you are, take someone with you. Because you are allowed to, and if mm. it's happened to me, if a doctor dare shames you, mm. get your advocate, your support person, to look him in the eye and say, so what? 
it shows that it is more than just your person here, the patient. Mm-hmm. This is affecting other people. Mm. If that, if they, if your patient is not worth it, are you then saying I by default are not worth it? Mm. It's called pressure. Yeah, <laughs> and it can be positive. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So no, I like that. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so if anyone would like to find you on. Um, online or on Instagram, um, how can they do that? So if you would like to book in a counselling session mm-hmm. with me, you can head to unfoldwellbeing.com.au mm-hmm. um, and send me an email. I'm notoriously bad at answering my phone. <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, you can find me at unfoldwellbeing on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said at the very beginning of this probably long podcast I love words and I am actually writing some you know mental health inspiration and well-being Mm -hmm. inspiration as well um and they're just little products on Redbubble as well that you can hang up as home decor that is just the reminder that you are doing well you are worth it Mm -hmm. um your healing your growth your life is a journey be the hero that's your choice I love that and I love your content. So I'll definitely, <laughs> when I post for the podcast and everything, yep. I'll tag you in yeah, there. So thank you. anyone listening, you can have a look on yeah. my Instagram page to find Sophie as well. Yeah. And vice versa as well, dare I say. And I just want to say quickly, <laughs> don't care if this makes it to the episode or not. <laughs> you always say you just want to help one person. And I want to highlight that you have already surpassed that with, what, 11 episodes. That's 11 mm. people on the show. You have already mm. helped. Yeah. You're reaching so many people and thank you. Thank you for actually standing up and doing it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to cry again. It's your podcast. You can cry if you want to. <laughs> All right, guys. So we are going to sign off now and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Doey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at Lisa, spelled L-E-E-S-A, at hightidelowtideau.com or DM me on Instagram at hightidelowtideau. See you next time.